we um, we invoiced for $140,000. There was a guy above us. That guy above us was paid by by the prime. Us, uh, a concrete guy, and uh, a siding guy all did not get paid anything. Welcome to the Real Construction Owners Podcast, where we interview real construction owners doing big things within our industry to teach you how to go from being a stressed out operator to becoming a thriving business owner. Today, we have a special guest, Micah Macias, the owner of Roof Chiefs. He has an interesting story about how he's done government contracts all over America, made huge profits, and helped our nation become better overall. You're not going to want to miss this if you like making money and hearing cool stories. So stay tuned. What's up, Micah? How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm truly blessed and I'm highly favored. Thanks for asking. So I see you online doing epics projects all over America for our government. And that inspired me because, you know, my goal is to inspire contractors the benefits of government construction contracts. And they think about all this red tape and they think all the problems and, but they don't know what they don't know. So we're going to unpack that today and we're going to make it very clear of all the benefits. But before we do that, tell us your story, walk us down memory lane. What were you doing before you were doing this? Sure. Well, pretty easy. Uh, I'm a fourth generation. So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I uh, initially, went to school, um, went to college for a few years, kind of thinking that, you know, I wanted to go a different route because, you know, like anybody, you don't want to always do what your parents do, right? You want to do what you do. <laughs> so yep, that yep. being said, um, did that for a couple of years and it just along the way, um, I always still had a passion for working with my hands, things like that. And I kind of found that when I would work with my hands or do any sort of roofing work, specifically that's what I do, um, I made more money than I was making at my quote unquote real job, right? My blue collar job. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it was one of those things initially I started there and um, I uh, got into, I think at the time I was living in, uh, in North Austin um, and I, I did a couple small repair jobs. I said, dang man, look how much I just made. And, you know, one thing leads to another and um, you start doing that more and more and more and, and um, you end up just sticking with with that trade. It's it's not really uh, anything else besides I, I like the freedom. I don't like being stuck to a desk. You know, I worked for Dell, so that that was it. You know, I was stuck behind a desk on a, on a computer all all day long and it just was not where I was happy. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's really it. Now, so talk to our audience. What is uh, what is it that you specialize in when it comes to government construction contracts? Like, what do you do best? Sure, roofs. Uh, that's that's where um, we spend the majority of our time. Uh, we've tried other things, you know, some interior stuff and you know, um, waterproofing things like that. But it just we don't like so metal so metal tile shingle what type of roofs 
Yes, specifically, we do a lot of single ply roofing. So things like TPO, EPDM, but we also do uh, quite a bit of metal. I'm sure, as you know, when it comes to uh, roof contracts, there's, everybody's got metal everywhere right now. So <laughs> that seems to be the most popular thing that, that everybody wants is a, is a Duralock or Snaplock. And, you know, fortunately, we've got um, roll formers and things that we can assist with that. So lots of metal. I love that. Um, EPDM um, and some shingles, We, you know. With, with that as well. Yeah, so you've done projects from Georgia to Louisiana to mm -hmm. uh, New Mexico to Florida to Wisconsin and, and every mm -hmm. state in between. And, you know, you've done jobs where you're, you know, just given a price to, as a subcontractor, you've done it to where you do uh, turnkey where you provide labor and material. Mm -hmm. And on these, you make nice profits. Like you told me about yeah. the one at the Air Force. Tell us about that project what it costs and, you know, approximate project and overall experience. Yeah. So uh, we did Air Force Retirement Community Center um, as, you know, it, it comes, they just needed a new roof. So uh, we returned key out there. So we did full uh, snap lock panels on this. They wanted a specific brown color. Um, and so we basically just tore off all the old roofs, brand new. Uh, I think the total project on that was about $750,000. Um, profit wise, I think we made about 120, uh, on that one as well. Um, and yeah, it was, um, it was really very straightforward because these were not massive buildings. You're talking, uh, one story, six, 12 walkable pitches. Um, so we just had multiple crews there. One crew was sitting there breaking metal, the other crews tearing off and installing, um, on-site project managers. One of the things that we do that uh, I think really takes our game to the next level uh, is we include uh, threads to the, not only including the project manager, but whoever is employing us as well. Uh, so for instance, if, if you we're doing a job for you, uh, hey, Justin, thanks for giving Richie the opportunity for this job. Um, you know, send you a picture at 6.30 in the morning, crew setting up, you know, so the day before crew will be there at such and such time. Crews setting up everything, putting tarps out everywhere. And every step along the way, we're documenting what we're doing. Uh, so that way there's constant communication. Um, and really, as you know, when it comes to our industry, communication is, is key, man. That's the big thing. And so when you don't have to be there and you're getting pictures throughout the day, every single thing that we're doing, communication, you're seeing it go on, um, you know, it's a whole lot easier for us to ask you for these higher turnkey prices and these profits that we're going to make because you don't have to be there. I can legitimately look you in your eye and say, look, man, you don't have to be there, but it's going to feel like you're there with our project management and the way that we keep you up to date and included and stuff. And not only that, because we do such a good job, by the time we're done with this one, hey, Michael, I got this next job ready to go for you. I've got this next thing ready to go for you as well. So it, um, it really is the That's key awesome. difference of what we do. Yeah, you know, because as a as a broker or a paper contractor, my what I do is I find the best subcontractor. I get the contract, I mm -hmm. find the best subcontractor. They get it done. They you know have certain protocols and procedures, and as long as they fulfill that, everybody gets paid in a timely manner. And yep. with that being said, you know, I, I'm excited to start sending you some deals because you sound like a great person to to collaborate with to get my contracts done. But let's dive into some technicals right now. Sure. So with that being said, whenever you get a contract, whether you are a sub or a prime, I'd like for you to talk to us about 
have you ever, how do you find your best subcontractors? Do you find call suppliers? Do you use agc.org? What are your tactics? So we have a variety of methods. Um, oftentimes we'll ask, for, we'll ask suppliers. Um, other times, yes, we'll use, you know, um, you know, GSA sub.net. We'll use all these different places that we can potentially find subcontractors. Um, and, and a lot of it though, um, that's more of, let's say I'm taking a project, you call me and, and you've got a project in Alabama. And I'm like, well, you know, I really don't know a lot of people in Alabama. So this is where I'm going to track down this way. Other than that, um, one of the nice things is, is, you know, we've, we've, we're established. We've been doing this for a little while. So that being said, I do have quite a bit of the same guys that I use that I send everywhere. Same, same thing. So it makes it easier if it's something that I've been in this state before, I already know who I can send and where I can go. But like I said, if, it, if it's someplace that we haven't been before and, and maybe I've got these guys busy, then we'll use a variety of methods on, on who can we do. And as a worst case scenario, sometimes we'll pop on Facebook and, you know, <laughs> go browse and see who's posting where and then turn around. Of course, you know, it's always a little bit harder that way because now you got to really vet someone, right? And see, do they really know what, what they say they know can they really do what they say they can do um so that's yeah. a whole whole other thing that's that's so important you know to have a database of subcontractors mm -hmm. and what are like in your amount of years doing this i'm sure you've created a database of subcontractors for different states mm -hmm. why is that why is that important for a contractor who's looking to get started Super important because it makes life easier if you know who can do what and where they can do it. So for me, um, it's going to sound a little silly, but I, I think it's the easiest thing. Now I have a Google Drive. I have everything listed there. But also on my phone, when I meet people, um, I will literally put them in my phone and I would say something like Justin Ledford, um, 8A broker, right? And so that way, if I'm looking for work, you know, I know I just type in 8A in my phone and boom, it's going to take me to all these people that I can send you a text. Hey bro, you got anything going on right now? This is what I have available and vice versa. You contact me. Um, I type in my phone, you know, um, if let's say you need a specific type, Hey, I need a trapezoidal metal panel on this. So in my phone, I put people by that trapezoidal panel. And so now I've got 10 people pop up, um, you know, Hey brother, uh, what do you got going on right now? I've got this job that I need to get a bid on or need to get looked at. And so once you have that, it makes life easier because what you don't want to do is you don't want to mix a shingle guy with a metal guy or a TPO guy with a tile guy because they're going to let you down and they're not going to do the correct job for you. And at the end of the day, when we're talking government contracts, fantastic money, great return, but you got to show up. And you got to send the right person for the right job because that's by doing that, that's how you get more work and that's how you make better profits. So, you know, very important. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about Fort Sand. That was a metal roof. Uh, yeah. The job description, total dollar amount you got as a sub, you know, your profit. Mm -hmm. And we can only guess what the prime got. Elaborate. Right. So, so on this one, there's, there's a couple parts to it. I'll say there's three separate parts. Um, we did the metal roofs we did uh tire roofs so so at fort sam 
on certain parts of the base, um, some of the barracks are, are shingle roofs, right? And so we got paid um, out there labor only um, for all of the shingle roofs. And then we had part of it that was tiled. So Spanish tile and on the Spanish tile, rather than doing full roofs, there were nothing but repairs, but it was something like, you know, this may have eight repairs. This building may have three repairs. So they played us a flat fee per building. When it came to the, to the metal, then of course there was, we had roughly, I want to say 2000 squares of metal versus the tile roofs. I think we had, I don't know, a hundred repairs on tile roofs. And then the shingle, there was probably like 500 squares. So it was not as big or as lucrative as the metal. But if we talk about just the metal as a whole, um, with the, um, what we got there, I want to say on that one, we had somewhere around $350,000 as that particular contract. Um, and on that one, I believe we made somewhere around seventy-five uh, to to $80,000 there. In, uh, it's not, it's in not bad, man. You know, that's more... Labeling. That's more than 20% as a sub. Mm -hmm. You get to show up. You get to do a great service for the nation. Your prime yeah. contractor, he did the paperwork. He handled you know, the billing. Yeah. I'm sure he, he had an extra 20 to 30% put in that because that's, oh, sure. that's kind of how I do it. Now, I'm curious. Have you ever used a site visit sheet, sign-in sheet, to find subs uh, to give you bids? I have definitely done that plenty of times. <laughs> so, uh, I, I make a note of doing that when I go and we sign in and check in. I definitely take a picture of that. And then, um, you know, sometimes they, they don't always list their phone numbers, but you got Google to help you out there and um, skip tracing people and, and uh, Facebook and everything else to find out and um, believe me, there's many subs that I have that have got a random text from me. Hey, man, uh, I saw your name on a sign and sheet. Uh, do you happen to do roofing? Uh, and yeah, how'd you get my number? But don't worry about it. Here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> what are you bidding on this? You know? Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. So, anyways, that um, I've definitely done that. Um, I think, hey, man, any way that you can network and get people in there, it's really important to have a really big network. What was that GSA sub? What'd you say a way to find subs? Uh, GSA.net, I've done that. And they have another one that was, uh, I think it's sub.net. I have to I have it saved on my laptop, honestly. Subnet, <laughs> subnet. Yeah, yeah. I know go. what you're talking about. Okay. So, yeah. uh, what are some of your follow-up tactics, uh, whether you're following up with primes or contracting officers to win jobs? Um, honestly, my biggest thing is I just stay in contact the, the whole time. Um, anything and everything that we do, I try to go the, the extra mile. And so what I mean by that is, um, let's say you have an opportunity for me. Where a lot of people I think will really mess up is, you know, hey, I've got these five different uh, bids for you. What do you think about um, these? And those, okay, well, what, what, um, how many squares? Okay, boom, let me just throw your price off the top of my head. The problem with doing that is you get a lot of, um, a lot of unknowns or variables that can come in there, right? Then it creates change orders and it just becomes a mess. So one of the things that I do is, like I said, I stay active the whole time. I will go out and look at the site ahead of time if we can. 
you know, I've got uh, ex-military guys that work for me. So even if it's a military base, we'll fly out there. We can walk right on base. So I don't have to wait to get background check or anything else like that. So it makes life easier. We know what to look for. So I can get you true visit and just us going the extra mile on a lot of things. I think it helps with our follow-up because it's like, hey, we're already here. We've seen this and we're sending pictures to you ahead of time. We're here. We're on it. We're taking a look. There's this. This is what we're going to do. And so it just, I think from the get-go, it helps when I do send that follow-up text. What did you think of this? Um, you know, any any update that you have on this, you're going to remember me for having gone that extra mile and all these extra things. And it, it just, honestly, I feel like it makes it a lot easier. So there's there's no special thing outside of the initial effort. Now, what are some strategies that you, uh, talking on the subject of bonding and bonding mm -hmm. the job, what is, you know, talk to our audience, maybe they don't know what a bond is. Why do you have to put up a bond? Um, have you ever put up a bond? What are What are ways that you've increased your bonding? If you could elaborate sure. on that. Sure. So thankfully, I've not been in a position to where I've had to put up my own bond. Now I am bonded. Um, I, I do have a, a great agent that I call and um, and every year we renew our bonding um, and we have it set to a certain amount. Uh, a lot of times being the sub makes life easier since I'm not the prime because they're not asking for my bonding. They're mostly, they're mostly asking for my workers comp and my general liability. So we keep those up to date, but we are bonded of course. And, and the reason we want to keep that bond on is because there are certain, there are certain jobs that require that, you know, in order to have the bond. And, and for my, what makes me feel warm and fuzzy is when someone has that bond is I know that, I'm going to get paid one way or another, yeah. right? I'm not yeah. going to get burnt. And so my subs that work for me, um, they can appreciate the fact that they have my information and vice versa. So they know at the end of the day, if this is a $50,000 sub job, then, you know, we're bonded for that amount. And in a worst case scenario, we are going to get paid that 50K. So that's the importance yeah. of bonding. That's, that's and, what and, and so that's so important. So like mm -hmm. for a contractor who's like, okay, I want to get into government contracts. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have to put up a bond as the prime contractor and as mm -hmm. a subcontractor, which I'm talking to you, spend a little bit more. Why is that make, give you that warm, fuzzy feeling when the prime has the bond, you know, for sure what? We're getting paid. I'll give you yep. a, a really horrible example on why this is so important and what got my butt in gear on doing this. We're out in Midland, um, Texas, um, two years ago, three years ago, and um, we took on a roofing and framing project, 238,000 square foot framing of apartment complex. The prime was not bonded. We framed um, and we we invoiced the total. And, and here's the horrible part is we were a quarter of the way in, if that, on this job. We, um, we invoiced for $140,000. There was a guy above us. That guy above us was paid by, by the prime. Us, uh, a concrete guy, and uh, a siding guy 
all did not get paid anything. And because we didn't get paid anything, I was stuck with $140,000. Of course, you know, it didn't cost me $140,000, but I had 28 guys out there at a man camp. Uh, man camps in, in West Texas uh, run you about $70 a day per man. Uh, so if you do, you know, the math on that, because you got to book it for, you know, 30 days at a time. So 70, day, 70 a day times 28 guys times uh, 31 days, um, $60,000, right, right there. So um, that's for my stay. Uh, now that will stay plus their, their labor was another, oh my God, uh, roughly 40, 45,000. So at this 140, I'm 105 in the hole. So now, even though I didn't get paid, guess what? I'm still on the hook for the hotel stay because we stayed. I'm still on the hook for paying the guys because they did the work. So it ended up being a very valuable lesson on why bombing was so important because- <laughs> I'd say, I'd say, I, what was the lesson? Um, better make sure they're bonded because otherwise, unless you want to eat $105,000, that, <laughs> that was very important. And, and um, you know, fortunately, my crews, I have a very long-standing relationship with them, with that, uh, that hotel. They knew everything that happened. Uh, I, I, you know, had a lawsuit with the guy. And of course, you know, he got away, didn't pay, filed bankruptcy, all this fun stuff. But, um, but you know, the guys let me make it, make payments and installments until I caught up. But at the end of the day, I still had to pay it, which meant all my future projects that I did for the rest of that year, part of that was going to paying these guys off. And it just, it, it, it was, you know, I didn't come for money, right? So all the money that I, I built, I earned myself. And uh, $105,000 is not a drop in the bucket to me. It was, it was a very harsh eye opener of the importance of why I needed to do my research and make sure people were bonded before I took on a job because that let me tell you, man, that was a kick in the gut. That that one hurt. <laughs> man, that's 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 painful lesson. You know, that's why I teach within my group of contractors that follow me how important it is to bond your job and also get your subcontractor to bond back the job. Because if you do that, you you mitigate risk, you increase your bonding potential. Your bonding agent will give you more bonding, which in turn will enable you to bid more jobs. It's a, a never-ending beneficial cycle. So yeah. this may not apply to you because you've done primarily a lot of sub work, but maybe maybe you've done some prime work. And mm -hmm. my question to you is, have you ever come across a situation where you had to overcome the local office requirement? The CO says you got to have a local office in order just to turn in a bid. Have you ever come across that? So I have in Florida before. Florida's Florida is very, very strict. Um, and in those times or those instances that I do that, um, I have some friends that have offices in Florida and we will partner together and I let them handle all the paperwork on that. So I, I couldn't give you too in depth on that. It's more of a, yep. hey, bro, I, understand. I know you got an office, let's partner, this is what I got. And so it, perfect. it works yeah, that way. Cause that's, <laughs> that yeah. works perfect. So you're, that's speaking, you're speaking to the choir because you, know, you gotta mm -hmm. be creative. With every roadblock with government, there's always a creative solution to overcome that roadblock. And that leads me to the next point. Have you ever had to, there's a mandatory pre-con meeting. Have you, do you have any tactic or strategy that you have implemented to where you don't have to go to it, but you can do it digitally? 
That I've never been very good at. I don't know a whole lot of strategies for that one. I usually just send someone out there uh, and, and let them handle it and uh, pretty much frame it as a, hey, brother, you're about to go get a two, three-day vacation on that. So you go out there to the pre-con meeting, you know, get all the information and, uh, hey, I'll get your hotel for a couple of nights and some per diem spending money and enjoy it. Um, I just, nice. I haven't found a better way about it, but I would be all ears if you got a better way for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, pre mandatory pre-con, we do teach a couple strategies and techniques within my my mastermind and my course. So yeah. thanks for being transparent with us. Now, I am curious about mandatory site visits. I have two or three tactics that I implement. Do you have any strategies to where they're like, it's a mandatory site visit. You've got to go to this in order just to turn in a bid. Um, maybe you don't because you've done more sub work, but just curious if you do. No, um, part of part of everything is we we do the site visits ourselves anyways as part of our preliminary. And and um, again, this goes back to having taken on jobs and being told that something was at a certain point, and and it's not. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we're in in Oregon doing a, uh, a, you know, um, a cedar shake job that was supposed to start, get out there and come to find out that we're told this is dried in and, and it's not. Um, we still have all the decking off that, that's needing soffit drilled in. Um, there's four layers of, of felt that goes over this, this uh, decking. Right. So it's not just slap some, you know, some pill and stick or some synthetic felt on it. We call it a day. There's four different layers and none of this is done or ready. Um, and so we get to this point of, hey, man, we said that we'd be out here. We'd be done in two weeks. You got about two weeks of work that needs to happen. And we're already here. <laughs> so, you know, um, that being said, now. Now the guys are pissed off because they just drove 30 hours to to get out here and they're going to be sitting there for two weeks not getting paid. You know what I mean? So um, as that happened, it became a, a another one of those realization moments that, man, we got to start doing these site visits ahead of time because as working as a sub, right, it, it is very important to us that, you know, if we show up, the, the site's ready for us, just like it's important for us that if I tell you, hey, Justin, this job is going to take us a month to get done, and here we are two and a half months in and we're still not done, you're not going to be very happy with us either. Hey, Michael, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, you said this, and it's not like it's been weather delays. Oh, well, you see what had happened was, you know, it just, it doesn't work that way. So, uh, well, well, what had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we do our, our site visits. Um you know, uh, on that, just yes. uh, again, a lot of a lot of the things we do are because I learned a lesson the hard way, and well, we're not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> right. So, from a prime side, uh, mm -hmm. a broker side, you know, we're talking to you, who's an expert sub at what you do. Mm -hmm. There's been several scenarios where I I coined it as the zero money down deals, which mm -hmm. I can get the contract, I can have a bond and I can have my subcontractor pay for labor and materials. And mm -hmm. right when they turn in their uh, 
you know, all their paperwork 14 days later ish, I get paid and then I, I give them the money right away. Yeah. Have you ever come across that to where uh, your prime has zero money down out of pocket and you fund it and you get paid or do you normally prefer where, you know, they're paying for the material and you're just showing up and doing the, the labor? Honestly, um, we like both labor only, in my opinion, is is a great way for us to to make faster money. But the turnkey we like because I can actually make a bigger profit, right? Majority of the time on that because you know we're providing material labor. All that being said, um, we like I said we we do both. I don't really have one preference over another. Um, you know, fortunately, we're in a position to where we, we can afford to to float uh, for 14 days if we need to. And if we're in a position we're not, but the job pays well enough, um, you know, I do have some factoring companies that I can always go to as well and say, hey, listen, I got this this job uh, from me, you know, this what I need to get fronted and, and, and we can always go that route as well. So I would say if anybody's looking to be a sub and they think, hey, I don't know how the hell I can afford to float this for 14 days or 15 days. Um, having a great factoring company in your back pocket will really kind of get you along the way. Or if not, partnering with somebody that, that's a bigger company than you. And, and the way I look at it, man, and, and the way that um, I learned, right? Because nobody really, at least when I started uh, doing it, nobody really teaches you how to land federal contracts or what paperwork's involved. And so the way I was taught is partner with people and, you know, do it so you can learn it because, hey, making 50% of something's a whole lot better than zero or something, you know? So um, that's that's kind of how I made connections and kind of learned where I can go uh, on this and how to flip these jobs. <laughs> well, shameless plug there. You said nobody teaches how to get these contracts and all the paperwork, yeah. but that's actually what, what I have created in detail, yeah. A to Z. So literally it's a system they just sit there watch it's got trainings pdfs and it teaches somebody who has zero experience how to go from zero to millions of dollars in contracts and everything mm -hmm. in between so cool thanks for mentioning that because i just had to yeah. drop a little shameless plug there <laughs> now i'm i'm curious now we're moving to section four of the questions these questions are mm -hmm. now going to get a little more detailed on a different realm as far sure. as a subcontract agreement goes when you are about to sign a subcontract agreement. What are some things that are very important inside of that subcontract agreement that uh, that make it to where the prime is uh, protected, but also you know your roles and responsibilities? What are the mm -hmm. things that you have noticed? Honestly, the first thing I go to is a scope of work. And I wanna make sure that everything in there is, is completely in that scope. Um, and there may be a section in there to where if I have questions exactly who I contact or where, where to go for those questions. Um, to me, that is the most important thing because I've been in situations where that scope is very vague. And if it's vague, then it, it can leave it open for interpretation and, and, and on both parties fell, um, we did a job and, and, and again, a lot of mine is based off experience, right? So that's why I answer with this. Did a job in Corpus and um, my scope said one thing. 
we showed up at this naval base and um, what was expected was a completely different thing than listed on the scope. And, you know, it's one of those things that when I say completely different, we're not talking a minor change order. We're talking an extra two weeks, three weeks worth of work and an extra $60,000 in labor. And it's like, hey, man, this is not some $1,500. Hey, this is going to take me a day extra to work where I can say, I oh, know, screw it. Like, we'll knock it out for you. Don't worry about it because I have a good relationship with you. This is like, man, we, this needs to be detailed. So that being said, uh, for me, um, just a really detailed scope of work. I don't really have anything super specific outside of if you say, you know, I need so the scope whole of work, like scope of work, pricing, uh, liquidated damages, yes. any of that stuff. Because I think it's good as a prime side that there's like, hey, this is exactly what you're going to do. Yes. Uh, these are what I need from you, these photos. And here's a, the liquidated damage that I'm going to be charged if this is not done. And those will be passed to you. Have you ever come across exactly. that? Yes, yes. And that's, that's exactly what I like to see because it's very specific and detailed and thorough. And I know exactly what I'm here to do, what exactly you need from me. And so that way there's no misinterpretation of, you know, I, well, I thought it was just this, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, we're both happy, right? Yeah, I love that. So regarding the schedule of values or a mm -hmm. contractor's construction schedule, how do you use that to get your percentage complete uh, payments? Elaborate for uh, somebody who's never heard of this before. Sure. So um, when it comes to to the schedule, it's going to be let's let's talk about a roof, right? Um, it's going to say, okay, once you hit or once you tear off, this is a certain price. Once you dry in, this is a certain price. Once you install, this is a certain price. Once you start doing this detail work or gutter work or flashing work, it's going to pay this amount. So it's very important, at least for us, the way we, we do things in our company, we have an on-site supervisor at all times that's there with the crew. Because I want to detail, when I send you that invoice, we tore off a hundred squares, we uh, put down X amount of ISO board, uh, we put down X amount of uh, this TPO, uh, we did this many linear foot of flashing, we did this detail work. So now I know exactly where I'm at on, on my pay, right? Because it's not going to be, well, hey, this total job is a $500,000 job, and off this $500,000 job, you know, every week you're going to get paid this. It doesn't work that way. It gets paid off of what work you actually did. And I think it's so important to know that because if you're just starting out and you're expecting, well, hey, $500,000, we're going to be there for six months. So I'm just going to break this down into X amount of weeks. So, you know, every week I should get, you know whatever that number is, yeah, yeah, right. you get very surprised. <laughs> That's so important you just said that because, yeah. you know, for somebody who goes from residential to commercial to government, they've never heard of maybe a percentage complete method or using a construction schedule. And that's so valuable because you can put, this is worth this amount of dollars. And once I'm done mm -hmm. with it, I need to be paid that. This task is worth this amount of dollars. And once I'm done with it, I need to be paid for that. And yeah. it makes it 
open communication, parallel communication to where expectations are met with, you know, dollars once X or Y or Z gets done. Mm -hmm. So now we go into prevailing wage and Davis Bacon, you know, for mm -hmm. somebody who's never heard of this, um, how do you factor, what is it? And how do you factor this into when you're giving a price to a prime? Sure. So Davis Bacon wages or the prevailing wage is what that going rate is in that state for that specific trade. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was a, a park that we have that, you know, prevailing wage over there is $55 an hour per man, right? So now it puts that burden on me to figure out as a sub, okay, I need to know exactly how long this is going to take, right? And so if once I know how long the job's going to take, then I know how to negotiate that price because the mistake that I see a lot of people make is they say, okay, um, I'll do this job for you for, you know, when, we, when we're talking about us as roofers, we work off of a square count, right? So um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll do it for $200 a square. Okay, cool. That's a really great price. You know, hey, let's, let's get it done. Um, it's going to take us two weeks to get it done. Cool. And, you know, as, you know, construction, we typically work six days a week. And, you know, roofers were, were you know, 10 hour days, right? So they're thinking $200 a square. This is, um, I'll give you a recent example. 200 a square, this is, uh, you know, 80 squares. Uh, so if I'm there, 80 squares, $200 a square, I should make $16,000 in, in labor um, only, right? So that's what they think. Now, then you come to reality. It's $55 an hour per man. Uh, everybody works a 10-hour day. That's $550 Per man, when you think about it that way, um, you've got uh, eight guys working there. So you're looking at $4,400 a day. If you do 12 days of work, you just paid out $52,000. So you ended up completely upside down, not knowing what to do. And so you, you just buried yourself in a hole. So very important that you know the breakdown, how long things are going to take, and you factor in what this prevailing wage is. Um, so that way you can just bid it appropriately, right? Because you want to make sure when there's prevailing wage, yes, your guys are getting paid well because they get that direct paycheck, right? So that, that direct is going to come from whomever, whoever is, is in there. So everybody's got to get that. So you need to factor in your, your markup vision, everything else, your markup, right? Um, so another hard lesson learned where I, I uh, you know, my eyes got real big the first time I saw a prevailing wage. Oh, we can make this and didn't work the way I thought it was going to work. <laughs> you know, it, prevailing wage was set up to protect America. It was during, you know, during the Great Depression and, and those times, this was set up to make it to where a person doing the work could actually make an honorable income. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure maybe it was a little bit before that or after that, but that's my understanding of prevailing wage and Davis-Bacon. And it, it's a beautiful thing because if you have a good subcontractor that you're working with, mm. it's like, hey, this is how many men. And I do that with all my subs. I'm like, hey, let's mm. have a real talk. Like how many men are going to be working per day? Okay. Yeah. And how many days is this going to take? Okay. Well, prevailing wage is this, and I want you to make money. And mm -hmm. here's what I'm going to be putting on top of that. So it's very clear. And I love mm -hmm. that you explained it like that. With that being said, you know, when it comes to us billing the government as a prime contractor, what are things that you have to give the prime? in an expedited fashion in order for you to get paid quickly. 
honestly, this is really important to get all of the sub paperwork done way ahead of time. So <clears throat> things like, um, to me, if, if you do it right in the beginning, you're going to have before we even start, right? If we're talking a federal job, a lot of times we got to go through background checks right away. If I know that we're going to get started on this job, you tell me, hey, this job's going to start in a month. I'm seeing everybody immediately because we want to get started moving right away. We want to know we're good to go. I'm also going to send you every, all of my insurances, my COIs, everything right at the beginning so we don't have any holdups there. Um, and then not only that, but having an on-site site superintendent, uh, a lot of times, I know, well, I know at least when I first started, you didn't ever want to budget in like, oh, hey, I got to pay this guy whatever his salary he's going to be paid out there a week. But it saves you a lot of headache because as we, we're going to go back to the way that the, the, the construction schedule is, let's say that the job starts on a Monday and every you know Saturday, I got to send you my, my breakdown or, or my, my pay app or what, however it is that you want me to submit to you what we've done. It's, it's a whole lot easier for me to have them so I can say, hey, every Saturday at noon, you're gonna have the exact, this is how many squares we did, this is how many linear for the flashing, there's, there's all of this in. So to me, the way I look at it, there's nothing that's, that's hard besides your basic paperwork, but you just have to get yourself in that mentality of, let me just go into this expecting, I'm gonna do this by whatever day you need this stuff by. So I, I don't really have that more detailed answer than that no you know it's really not that hard once you everything's hard until it becomes easy period yeah. everything is hard until it becomes easy you know uh riding the bike learning how to fish learning how to surf you know uh going on your first date picking up your you know your your spouse before you convince her to be your spouse like everything's a little yeah. challenging until it becomes easy and it's the same with the paperwork you gotta have your certified payroll reports turned in to your prime contractor an order for that prime contractor to submit his paperwork to the government. So mm -hmm. once you give that to him, he can submit his what he's got to submit. So then everybody can get some of that money. And yeah. it's crucial to do that. Now, curious about communicating with the government. You're on these mm -hmm. jobs. You're, you're doing an excellent job as a subcontractor. You have a broker like myself, a prime who's in Costa Rica and he's overseeing everything. But you got this guy like yourself. And the government comes up. What are some experiences you've had where you had to communicate with the government or your superintendent had to communicate? Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah. So there'll be times where, you know, they'll come by. They start asking questions related to the job or, or you know, um, want to see something get done a certain way. Um, you know, oftentimes they'll send out their own inspectors to take a look at things. Um, and I think that as long as you have a knowledgeable site superintendent, it makes those visits very easy um, because we can say, yeah, this is exactly what you want to see. Let's walk you through whatever this is. And, and it can be as simple as, hey, um, you know, on this section, did we do X, Y, Z? You know, did, did we up, upgrade this decking? with eight D nails. Did we, you know, do something simple like that? And 
again, if you go back to the beginning of our conversation, one of the things that we do well is we have a group chat ahead of time with tons of pictures updated along the way. So boom, I can refer back to this. And it's as simple as, um, hey, Justin, um, the guy, uh, you know, so-and-so just came by, commander so-and-so, he asked about this and um, boom, this is what we told him. Here you go, you know, and of course you see all the pictures. So now it's, again, you don't even have to be there and you're informed on, yeah, I know for a fact they did that. So there's no wait time of, oh crap, let me call Micah. Uh, hey, Justin, uh, you know what? Give me a second. Let me call Steve over here. Uh, Steve, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go look at this. It's already there and, and it's, 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 it's ready. <laughs> yeah. So. We use company cam for every one of our subs. They're required to mm -hmm. document the entire process using company cam. One of the yep. tactics I teach within my courses, um, how to protect the, your construction company. And one of those sub bullets is using company cam, having a superintendent or having somebody designated to be that guy. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some other tactics you implement to protect your construction company or the prime construction company? Um, that's honestly the biggest thing that, that we really do, to be honest, is just, just those pictures and that communication ahead of time. Um, outside of that, there's not really anything other that I've run into that that hasn't worked. So now, no worries regarding change orders. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to talk to people. What is a change order? And what is the process to negotiating and getting a change order approved? Sure. So change order, of course, um, we, we have an agreed upon scope of work. We get there. And um, so uh, right now we have people in Florida. Uh, we're doing a Sheridan hotel that's literally right on FSU or right next to FSU. So perfect example. We're tearing off uh, this existing roof. As we're tearing off this roof, it has steel beams for decking. There's a lot of spots these steel beams are completely rotted out. And so now take pictures and hey, listen, these are these steel beams that are completely rotted out. Obviously I can't put a brand new roof over something I know is rotted. So I'm gonna have to replace this. This is the size of these beams. This is the measurement. This is what it's going to cost to replace this. Um, and my costs, of course, you know, we, I figure in material costs, labor costs, and then of course, you know, a markup I want to make. So, um, you know, uh, to make it really simple um, and, and shingles, a lot of it's easier because it's just a piece of wood or, or oftentimes a piece of wood. If I know the wood's going to cost me 15 bucks, my guy's going to want $10, so that's 25. And let's say I want to put $10 on it. So $35 per sheet that I got to replace, right? And I have to replace 10 sheets. So I need $350 to do this, right? And this is a really simple low-end change order. So that's the process. Then, of course, I'll communicate that with the prime. Pictures um, and, and what I'm going to charge for it. Um, and as long as I've got the pictures and proof and, and we have that conversation, that phone call, you're good with it. Now I send it in, in written form, right? Because you always want to get a written change order because if you don't get a written change order, somebody can forget about it or it's really easy to not get paid on it. So yep. I type it up really quick on, on whatever you know form I'm going to use, send it to you. Let's get that, that signature back over and boom, at the end of the week, I go ahead and submit that on with, uh, with my certified payroll or whatever form that, <laughs> that I'm using over there to get paid on. So 
Love it. That's, Love it. That's it's simple. simple enough. It's simple mm-hmm. enough, but sometimes they do cause delays if they are big uh, change. If orders. they're big change orders, yes, absolutely. Then, then we're talking, it can cause, cause some big delays there. But for the most part, thankfully, uh, a lot of the stuff that, that we've come across, at least this year, has been pretty straightforward. You know, I have my answer within, you know, within the day. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and knock it yeah. out or not. Micah, this has been a blast. You're a professional roofing contractor that does federal contracts nationwide. We have A days and hub zones and contractors listening in that might want to use your service. If somebody's listening and they're like, hey, I want to talk with this man, or even you know, storm restoration contractors that need a good mm-hmm. sub, how can they reach out to you, man? Sure. Uh, then go to our website, www.roofchieftx.com. Uh, they can, you know, shoot us out uh, on, on my cell, my email, um, myself, you know, mind me listening, it's 210-883-8161, shoot me a text, call, that's my personal cell. Um, like I said, um, those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Um, you know, if you go to the website, we've got our email address on there, company phone number, all that. Um, but yeah, We've, we've got all of that. We've got uh, references, you know, we're, we're insured the, the whole nine yards. So we're definitely able to help out plenty of people and, and would, uh, would love, you know, we love working relationships. So, you know, one of the things I always say to people when we start a, a job with them is, is uh, you know, I, I jokingly but very seriously tell them, look, I would gladly take this one job from you, but that's not what I want. I want a long-term relationship. A lot of the guys that I get work from are same people who've been sending me work for years because uh, we take care of them. So, you know, I don't want this one job from you, just this one. I, I want all the work. So <laughs> by all means, reach yeah. out. Love to help anybody out that we can. Thank you so much, Micah. You have a good day today. Hey, thank you. Me too. Take care.